Well, friends, our fourth reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20, the birth of Jesus Christ. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census taken that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and lied him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which which were just as they had been told. Well, friends, it is a privilege to be here with you tonight. And I just want to say that on one level, I really do think I can relate with and know how they felt that night. Because just three weeks ago, the Libbies welcomed to our family our newborn son, Owen Donald Libby. And, you know, the anticipation that was building and the excitement that we had over those eight and a half months was great. But what really got us to the hospital was what the doctors kept telling us, sonogram after sonogram after sonogram. They kept saying, this is a big baby. And so you can imagine as the anticipation is building and you're getting excited to welcome this child in the world, Mom and dad might have a bit of a different view of this. Mom's being told this is a big baby, and she's maybe a little anxious about delivering a big baby. Dad is hearing this is a big baby, and delusions of grandeur are entering his head (laughs) as he thinks, here's the next linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Well, every time we went in, they said, "He's he's on pace for potentially being 10 pounds, and so we need to get him here a little early. And that's what got us to Presbyterian Hospital on December 3rd, a scheduled induction where our sweet son was born and we welcomed him into the world. 
those circumstances are very different from the circumstances that Mary and Joseph faced. While they were anticipating, and I'm sure very excited about the birth of Jesus, they hadn't been expecting a census to be put forward that would require them to travel 90 miles during the third trimester down to Bethlehem. And that's where our story starts in those first five verses. And we know it well. Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful ruler that had sat on the face of the earth, had, had ordered a census because his empire had been expanding and he needed to tax the people to build an army to defend it and to create the infrastructure for the roads to go forth from this province to that province, this city to that city. And while we don't know why the Jews in particular were required to go to their ancestral home, we do know that Mary and Joseph needed to get to Bethlehem because in Micah chapter 5, a prophecy made 700 years earlier said that the child would be born in Bethlehem, in the home of David. And so that's how they got there. We got to Presbyterian because of the big baby. They got there because of a ruler who required taxes. And it's ironic and amazing just to think about briefly the fact that what Caesar was doing was ushering in the birth of the king of the universe, one who, whose power and might and glory made Rome look pathetic. But not only that, he also was building roads in which the gospel of that king would spread throughout his empire years later under men like Paul and Peter and the other apostles. And that's all well and good and wonderful. But what I want to focus in on are verses 6 and 7 of Luke. So let's just look at those again together and think about what is the true meaning of Christmas. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. Friends, it should strike us and should be shocking that the king and creator of the universe is not born in a palace, is not given royal linens to be wrapped in or a golden cra cradle to be laid down in. But he comes in and is rejected by his own family and left to be born in a stable, the most filthy of all places, born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough where oxen and goats and sheep would have their meals. You know, when Courtney and I were at the hospital and Owen was delivered, it's amazing to think about all the privileges we have from modern medicine. Just 50 years ago, the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world didn't have the kind of access to care that our sweet son received. You know, we had a doctor there to take care of Courtney. There was a doctor there to check on Owen once he had been born. There were three nurses in the room. As soon as he was born, they cleaned him off and they laid him in this beautiful little bed with this nice heat lamp, so he was plenty warm. And they just cleaned him up, and they checked him. They listened to his heart. They gave him his shots, wrapped him up in new blankets, and laid him down with his mom, and he was as content as can be. But here, Mary and Joseph have nowhere to go, and they find themselves in a stable, giving birth to the king of the universe. Friends, this is foreshadowing 
Jesus' life is both, it's got bookends on either side of humiliation. You know, the Bible's full of foreshadowing. You think about Noah's Ark, that's a foreshadowing. It's a true event that happened, but God, in his wrath, destroying the world because man was so wicked, rescues and saves Noah's family. A picture of what would take place in Christ. You think of the Passover, the same thing. Destruction on Egypt, but those who put blood on the doorpost and the lintel, they were protected and saved. Or you think of the prophecy that we heard just last week from Zechariah that was referencing a prophecy hundreds of years before that said the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in, in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace foreshadowing of the birth of Christ. And there's this wonderful celebration that's taking place, and we oftentimes think about the celebration that's taking place, like you think of the angels that are there, and they're singing all, or saying all these great things, like a Savior has been born to you, He is the Messiah, He is the Lord, glory be to God in the highest of heaven, peace on earth to those whom His favor rests. And yet, while celebration is going on, there's also that dark shadow. He came with a purpose. He came to be humiliated and identify with our humiliation. It's the last place you would think he would be born. And yet he did so because he loves us and he wants to rescue us and he wants us to put our faith and trust in him. And so friends, let's have a response of wonder and awe at the creator of the universe, our Lord and our Savior, who willingly submitted himself to such humiliation so that we would be saved from our own state of humiliation and sin. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you so much thanks for our Lord and Savior. We thank you that he was willing to suffer such humiliation, not only in his birth, but also in the cross, an even greater humiliation. And we give you thanks that he did this for us so that we might have all the benefits and privileges of heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.